0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person deeply excited and hopeful about the local foods movement. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the sixth annual Feast, the local food marketplace festival and trade show happening today, Saturday, September 7th, uh, Saturday, December 7th in Rochester, Minnesota from 10 o'clock to 4. Um, Later in the program, we'll be joined by former Congressman Tim Penny, and he's going to be talking about the Southern Minnesota's Initiative Foundation's involvement in Feast. But joining us now is Elena Byrne, and she's with Renewing the Countryside and Coordinator. So, good morning and welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, so what's going on today? In, uh, or today, uh, we're, we're pre-taping this, but what's going on on Saturday in uh, Rochester?
1: Well, we're really excited for our sixth annual event. Um, we have a lot of the same things returning, lots of great vendors, some returning vendors and some new ones with great products for you to sample. And, and it's a unique shopping experience because you get to try everything before you buy it. Um, and there's, like, some wonderful discoveries to be made.
0: And it's 100% local.
1: It is. These are all businesses from Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and a large percentage of them are actually sourcing ingredients for their products from local growers.
0: So why is that important?
1: Well, it's important for so many reasons. Um, one of the obvious ones is just uh, the carbon footprint, um, as well as just the authenticity of working with local growers who need markets for their products. So economic development is one of the large reasons that that we think this is important to support our neighbors. And another side reason is it's part of what makes our region unique. All of these uh, local businesses are employing people from their area, uh, providing jobs, and providing unique, flavors for the area.
0: And so tell us what's going down in, in Rochester. Is it worth the drive from the Twin Cities to Rochester to uh, attend this event?
1: It is so worth the drive. So with local food, you, you, you have varying definitions of local, right? Um, but all of these businesses are local and regional in terms of, of their grassroots efforts and the people they employ, but they're coming together in Rochester. So you get to shop 100 food businesses under one roof. And so you can really feel good about that and what you're doing and and helping them stay strong as
0: businesses. So um, what all is going on? There's cooking demonstrations, children's activity, a pop-up farmer's market, the big vendor, wine and liquor sales, um, and then there's this life-size vegetable design thing? Yes.
1: So so all those things you said are true. We're having all of that um, and this year, we also received a grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board to bring some exciting art activities into the festival uh, just to make it even more well-rounded. And so in the lobby, you're going to have multiple things going on. And the most big and visible thing is the vegetable alfombra, which is a giant life-size vegetable mosaic being built on the floor. And attendees can actually help construct it. We have a viewing platform to get a a nice bird's eye view of it and we have a local artist who's curating the project and we're using vegetables from the region that are locally grown.
0: So you use vegetables to make art on the floor?
1: Exactly. Good. (laughs) They're they're storage vegetables so they're still usable afterwards. All of those vegetables after the Mosaic goes away. um, Those will be donated to the Channel One Food Bank.
0: Oh, beautiful, beautiful! So there is a cost to attend the event. Explain how that works.
1: So yes, tickets are available at the door, and there are coupons to be had. For example, at the People's Food Co-op or the Children's Museum in Rochester, um, and that helps offset some of those costs at the door. Or you can buy tickets. um,
0: Well, this would be yeah. So it's a
1: Tickets to zero. Yeah. yeah, so the tickets are so, uh, $8. Tickets are $8 for adults at the door, $2 for children ages 2 to 12, and if you want a wristband for alcohol sampling, that is $25, but if you get a coupon, it comes down to 15 so mm-hmm. that's a great deal.
0: And then how much um, sampling is available?
1: So we have about 18 different alcohol vendors in the Pop-Up Wines Festival, and the... The vendors selling wine and cider, you will be able to buy bottles. Um, off-scale, they're allowed up to six bottles per customer.
0: Up to $6, so beer and wine sampling. And then the food sampling?
1: Almost 100% of our vendors have samples of various products. And so you get to pick which one is your favorite, decide how many you want for yourself. Maybe they're great for foodie gifts for the holidays. Um, there's just a lot of things that you can accomplish in one day.
0: So, talk again about the, uh, there's music and there's also children's activities. So you want this to be a family-friendly event.
1: It is. So Renewing the Countryside has this great veggie racetrack called the Veggie Grand Prix. And so you make, we have these cars made out of vegetables, and that's always a hit for kids. That'll be back. Um, We also have, returning this year, Kids' Choice Veggie Boating with Dietetic interns from the Mayo Clinic helping parents uh, learn more about positive associations for kids and sampling new foods and just increasing their positive attitude in general about food and getting in touch with how food is grown.
0: I know there was a story today, about the or story this recently this week, about the dramatic rise in pre-diabetes. And we know that children's health, all of our health, would be improved if we eat more vegetables. But, you know, um, do we get that message about how cool vegetables are?
1: Well, we can all use reminders, even adults. Um, there are so many vegetables out there, so many different ways to use them. The dietetic interns that we have helping us um, came up with this slogan of Eat the Rainbow just because it's important to connect with farmers and, and constantly get new ideas for different vegetables and different ways to prepare them.
0: So again, when when is the uh, feast, and uh, um, how do people get more information about it?
1: So anyone can look up local-feast.org on a computer or on a phone. And on the festival page, there's all kinds of details about Everything happening at the festival, including the cooking demos, what time they are. So, if you want to make sure you catch Sherry Mukherjee from MasterChef Ten, um, her demo party. So, um, you can look that up, and on that same festival page, uh, you can see who, who the musicians are and get some details and pictures of the art activities that are going on.
0: Elena Byrne with Renewing the Countryside. So tell us again about what Renewing the Countryside is is about. Tell us about Renewing the Countryside.
1: Renewing the Countryside is all about making rural living vibrant and sustainable. We work in rural places and working land and local food and find all different creative ways to help boost those activities, whether it has to do with sustainable agriculture or arts or um, just new and beginning farmers and helping them find land. We, we do a wide range
0: of things, uh, and local foods is one of them. Local foods. And so this is the sixth annual um, event, time that you've done this, um, and um, no reservations needed. Um, and so what type of feedback have you gotten from previous years?
1: Well, people have told us through social media and at the event um, how much they love going there with family and friends to taste and discover things, and just what a fun day it is and you know even if it's somebody who just comes to see what it's like or somebody who's walking away with a local food gift basket that they want in the drawing you know it's just um, a lot of fun to be
0: had so I um, I thank you so much, um, Elena Byrne, for uh, joining us. Um, and it's all about community and connection and how we have a feast together. Um, I also want to throw out a pitch for um, AM 950 listeners to support our wonderful local food partners here on AM 950. Uh, Ferndale Turkey, which is also sponsoring uh, this event. Um, you Betcha Boxes. And Vinegarette Minnesota. Um, Vinaigrette is located on 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis. Um, it has wonderful gifts uh, for local uh, for your gift-giving, and wonderful ideas on how to cook really elaborate meals in a nice, easy way. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. When we come back, we'll be talking with former Congressman Tim Penny uh, about a feast and local foods and the importance in our rural communities. Try to see it my way do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it your way. Welcome back well, to Food Freedom, Freedom Radio, where we plant to nurse and nourish the seeds of change. Uh, I'm Laura Headline, and today we're now. talking about a wonderful event going on on Saturday, December 7th at, um, in the, at the Rochester Civic Center Feast Local Marketplace. And joining us now to talk about this event is uh, former Congressman Tim Penny. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio.
2: Hey, great to be with you.
0: Yeah. So um, uh, we were talking a little bit with Renewing the Countryside, Elena Byrne, about the event, but you want to tell us? Yeah,
2: we work very closely with them. Uh, Actually, there's a collaborative here in southern Minnesota uh, that uh, came together several years ago to um, discuss and seek ways to enhance and support the local food sector in our part of the state. And this, uh, and, and Renewing Countryside has been a key partner and leader in this effort. And this uh, annual uh, feast festival is, is just one of the activities that has grown out of this uh, collaborative.
0: So, you are, tell us a little bit about your background. Of course, you were the congressman from what was then First District, but a little bit uh, yeah. about your background.
2: I was a congressman from uh, the first district in southern Minnesota essentially uh, the same counties that our foundation the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation now serves uh, and so at this stage in my life this is very much an affair of the heart but'm I'm i a, I'm a family farm guy I grew up on a family farm west of Albert Lee and um, uh, in in the work here at the foundation uh, we are, are focused on three things, uh, helping small towns with grants and some other activities, uh, helping support uh, quality early childhood uh, within our region because that's so important to the future of our, our uh, state. And and then thirdly, entrepreneurship, and that's what took our foundation in the direction of local foods. And, and why I'm going in that direction is because having grown up on a small family farm, I really see local foods today as a way for small-scale farmers uh, to To uh, make a good living, and uh, and so to me, this is really kind of a return to my own roots.
0: Right, because a brief history is um, it wasn't too long ago when we had a lot, a lot, a lot of farms in the state of Minnesota, but then we've seen wave and wave and wave of consoli- uh, consolidation, get big or get out, and that has had a devastating impact on our rural communities. Is that well, about know, what their the, history?
2: The more, the, the more farm families you have, uh, the more support you're going to have for uh, businesses up and down Main Street in all of our small towns. So uh, it has taken a toll over time as we've seen uh, farms grow larger and larger. Uh, many of them are still family farms, but they're they're not of the ilk that they were uh, years ago. Uh, but, but I think this local foods movement, uh, where even on a small-scale operation, Uh, You can uh, produce and then process into jellies and jams and serves and sauces and meats and cheeses uh, and and provide for our food needs. Uh, I I see this as a way of of bringing back small-scale agriculture, just like uh, these these, uh, microbreweries are bringing back uh, uh, a strong element to our small towns and creating businesses and jobs in our small towns. uh, Because, as you know, through the decades uh breweries all consolidated and got bigger and bigger and bigger and, and uh and I see uh, these local breweries as reversing that trend. So I kinda see the same thing happening on both fronts and and naturally we also view uh these local breweries as part of uh the local foods network here in our part of the state.
0: It, it, it's, a, it's a wonderfully uh, potential for a, an abundant trend, um, all this local businesses doing business with other local businesses. I, you know, AM950 is owned by a person who only owns one radio station. I, and how we build out that type of community, it's, it's more resilient. Is it more resilient? Is the local food movement more resilient when we're facing the headwinds of climate change and of so much disruption in uh, this world?
2: Yeah, it, it is uh, in, in many respects. Uh, but a piece of it is um that you don't need to be large to be successful that's that's one uh you are not reliant on a lot of um expensive inputs uh you don't need a lot of expensive equipment uh and so all of that i think makes uh makes small scale agriculture more sustainable uh and less financially risky and so uh you'll also find that not exclusively true but uh, it the vast majority of folks that are involved in actually producing, um, uh, um, you know, fruits or vegetables or, or other crops uh, or, um, uh, or livestock uh, are, are doing it using sustainable practices. And, and so I think that also uh, provides some protection against uh, what you mentioned earlier, and that's uh, the changing nature of our weather.
0: Right. And um, I want to make sure we get in the details about the award ceremony. I mean, we're taping the show on, on Thursday, and it will be air on Saturday and Sunday. But on Friday, um, you'll be speaking at the award ceremony. And, and what, tell us what's going on on Friday.
2: Well, on Friday, we have a, a few of our partners. And I think Elena from Renewing the Countryside is probably a better position to tell you which awards are going to be distributed this year. Um, but I'll be uh, kicking off that event with just brief remarks to talk about this Local Foods Collaborative that came together several years ago and how the Feast Festival is one aspect uh, or one project that has grown out of this Local Foods Collaboration uh, and why we believe it's important to highlight Local Foods and to uh, and to hold this festival every year. Um, at the festival, of course, we get like sixteen hundred people to come through each year. We get uh forty or more institutional buyers, grocery stores, restaurants, others to come and sample and and sometimes good contracts result from that um so the the award ceremony is simply to highlight some of the exhibitors at the event uh and to give them a pat on the back for either the uh, you know the the uniqueness of their uh, uh of their booth. Uh, or uh, the fact that they themselves are locally sourcing uh, whatever they're producing. So um, that's kind of the, the nature of the awards that are given out on Friday night, uh, the day before uh, the big uh, uh, open house festival.
0: And much of what happens on Fridays is um, making these connections So to help people be um, entrepreneurs in the food system.
2: Yep. It's, it's kind of a training day. Uh, for those exhibitors that want to come a day early and, and most of them do, uh, we have uh, breakout sessions and guest speakers that help them focus on uh, uh, on business finance, help them focus on marketing uh, and and other issues that um, uh, these small business entrepreneurs uh, um, need to get better at if they want to um, you know improve their bottom line so uh, the day before the uh, festival that's open to the public uh, is a day for the entrepreneurs themselves uh, to, to get uh, the benefit of uh, a day of uh, training sessions.
0: So uh, talk some more about the shape of the local food movement and how the local food movement is um, an economic engine in uh, rural areas.
2: Well, it's, it's growing, as you know. I mean, if you, if you um, go to almost any restaurant or grocery store in the Twin Cities, uh, they, they emphasize local sourcing uh and and uh now even in our our public uh, institutions our schools our hospitals there's a really strong emphasis on sourcing locally uh so it's a way of keeping the money local and a way of supporting those in our region that are uh producing and processing uh fruits and vegetables hams other meats cheeses um and um so this this cycle is is a virtuous cycle uh, in in which um uh we're we're finding enormous opportunities for people to uh, uh create these these uh these businesses here in our region uh, we began to see at our foundation this was uh uh an increasing area of demand for some of the economic development grants that we issue each year, and also uh, uh, there was increasing demand for some of our uh, loan programs. Uh, by those that were trying to grow a local foods business here in southern Minnesota, and that was one of the things that led us to reach out to renewing the countryside, some of the local food co ops some of the sustainable food groups here in southern Minnesota to say maybe all of us we're coming at the same issue from different directions, maybe all of us should sit down together and identify what are what are some of the uh, what are some of the needs that this sector has, and part of that is training uh, what are some of the um, uh, what are some of the uh, resources that are needed by this sector that led us to create a uh, grow a farmer loan fund where we took tax deductible donations to create an evergreen fund to to offer micro loans to this sector and that led us to, to the local foods feast festival so all of that is just to say that uh, uh, the the, um, the sector is going to continue to grow. Um, because uh, the demand continues to grow, and our Southern Minnesota Collaborative is trying to do our part.
0: Great. Um, former Congressman Tim Penny, Um we hear so much about uh, divisions between urban areas and r- rural areas. Is this a place of unity, you know, coming together at the table? We all may have our different thoughts and different ways and different ways of understanding, but I- I- is it also a potential of... Um, you know, creating a, a unified world, where um, a world that we all kind of want is this feeling. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah I, it is. It's it's a way of connecting uh, urban to rural in a very upbeat and, and positive uh, fashion, um, because um, it, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can't go to hardly any restaurant or grocery store in the Twin Cities that doesn't emphasize the degree to which they are sourcing locally. Uh, and people people love that connection uh to the land and um and so i um i, I think this is a way to uh, bring urban and rural together in in a in a very positive way and um i i uh would, I, I don't want to put an exact number on this but I would think the vast majority of the dollars that we raised for our grow farmer um Loan program, uh, were dollars from the metro area from people that wanted to support uh, the uh, the enhancement and and the growth of the local food sector here in rural Minnesota.
0: And every day we, when we, there's there's so many tragedies that are happening right now on, on the environmental front, um, clean water, the extinction of the pollinators, um, uh, insect um, trees that we're losing, uh, soil quality that we're losing. And is it's supporting local foods also tends to be more supportive of um, clean water?
2: It, it, yeah, every, everything up and down the list you just provided, um, and, and especially here in our corner of the state where we have Bluff Country along the the, the route, the Cannon, the Zumbro rivers that all feed into the Mississippi. Um, you know, that, that's highly erodible land, and these smaller scale farm operations uh, uh, are really more suited uh... to uh... production in, in this kind of terrain and as i mentioned uh, earlier in the in the uh, interview um, the vast majority of the folks that are uh, pursuing uh, a business an entrepreneurial business around local foods are folks that are uh... Are implementing utilizing um, uh, uh... sustainable ecologically friendly farming practices.
0: Right, and well, I'm, I'm just gonna, next week we're gonna have a, a person from IATP on, and there's a new report from sustainableagriculture.net on climate, the connection between climate change and how we eat, and so as individuals, can we take their own power and our own authority to eat in a way that honors life, honors water, and honors each other, and honors the soil, and, and how we do that as a local movement, while having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah,
2: it's a nice package, isn't it? It, it is. It all comes together.
0: It is. It's all that work of the heart which you started at first. Um, what uh, So, Congressman Tim Penny, we're on our last few minutes here. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this event? Well,
2: just to remind folks that it is this coming Saturday, December seventh. I think we open doors at about 10 in the morning. It'll run till uh, 4 in the afternoon at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester. Plenty of parking close by. I think it's even free parking. It's a very low-cost event. It's family-friendly. There are uh, fun things for the kids to do if you bring them along. Uh, we do have uh, wine and um, and local brews that are at the event. Uh, there is a there is um, the Rochester Farmer's Market that has a little corner of, of the space, but we've got uh, upwards of a 100 exhibitors uh, showing their wares at this event, and um, I've, I've referred to it as a farmer's market on steroids, It, it but it's, it's a great event for the holiday season, and almost everybody that comes walks out with at least one, if not more, grocery bags full of uh, food for the holidays or gifts for the holidays. So check us out on check Saturday, out. December
0: 7th. And is it worth a drive from the Twin Cities to Rochester on Saturday. Oh.
2: It is very much worth the drive, and we're going to have great weather, I promise it.
0: <laughs> well, I thank you so much, Congressman Tim Penny, for uh, joining us on Food Freedom Radio, and, uh, um, and thank you, and I uh, encourage everyone to check out. Um, they can get more information at the feast. And where would people get more information about the uh, Southern uh, Minnesota Initiative Foundation?
2: Um, best to just Google the words Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation will be the first thing that pops up, and you can. we just put up a new website this week, so you can check it out.
0: Great. Well, again, thank you so much, uh, Congressman, former Congressman Tim Penny, And thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. We'll be right back. But I also have to do another shout out to also support AM950's local food uh, people, uh, Seward Co-op, Perndale, Tick, uh, Perndale Turkey, Yabetcha Boxes, and Vinaigrette, which is near 50th and Xerxes. Wonderful holiday gifts. Um, keep it local. Keep it live. We can do it. Clean water, clean soil. Happy people. Why not? Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline, And for the remainder of the show, we're going to be playing um, audio from um, the um, Organic Farmers Association and Iowa Organic Association's 2019 Presidential Forum, which was held on Thursday, December 5th. Um, Bernie Sanders was the only candidate um, who, s- who showed up for that event. So we're going to be playing this um, audio from Bernie's uh, speech. ...agriculture in this
3: country. And I know, as in every other industry, that large corporate interests uh, are more than anxious to get into the business, are into the business. and They are trying to dilute organic standards. So let me first of all tell you, I believe in the strongest possible organic standards. If a product is going to be labeled organic, it must be organic in the deepest sense of that word. And second of all, I know there is concern about trade policy and products coming into this country. Uh, And I believe very much that we should be labeling uh, our food products in terms of country of origin. People want to know that food is being manufactured in an honest way, that the labels mean something. And that that food is manufactured to the best degree possible, produced right here in the United States of America. So we're gonna be very strong (laughs) on country of origin. I have a little bit of a history, just tell you very briefly uh, a story, if I might before somebody steals the mic from me here. Way back when, my state, Vermont, uh, is a dairy state. And I'm gonna get into, uh, in this discussion, an issue I know that is on everybody's minds, and that is The massive attacks against family-based agriculture whether it's organic or not organic and in Vermont my memory is correct over the last 10 years we have lost about 25% of our dairy farmers and that's true all over this country and it is a terribly terribly sad thing Uh, people whose families have farmed for generations now being forced off of the land because of low prices the prices they're getting are not coming close to the cost of production But I will remember that some years ago, I think it was maybe 20 years ago, uh, our good friends in Monsanto, my dear friends, that's a joke, all right? (laughs) Gee, you don't have much of a sense of (laughs) humor, all right? (laughs) Uh, They came up with a product called BST. We have any uh, dairy farmers here? Okay, remember BST, BST. Here was a time then and now where we have a glut of milk And what uh, uh, Monsanto wanted to do is to stress out cows, to increase milk production at a time when we wanted to cut back on milk production. Lower prices, stress out cows, brilliant idea. I'll never forget this. I was invited to appear on CBS, as a congressman and not in the Senate, to talk about BSD and why I opposed uh, the introduction of BSD into Vermont Dairy. And this is interesting. Monsanto threatened to sue CBS. Now CBS is not a mom and pop operation. (laughs) They're a multi-zillion dollar operation. And I never got on the air to talk about it at that time. But we did do, uh, you know, Monsanto, as all of you know, is a very, very powerful, nefarious force in many respects. Um, And, um, but I, you know, the end result of all of this stuff is that family-based agriculture, whether it's dairy or anything else, is under assault right now. And that's an issue that concerns me uh, very much. Um, So let me talk about the fact that right now, as many of you know, about 77% of all federal subsidies are going to the 10% to 10% of the farms in America. 77% of subsidies go to 10% of the farms. Under a Bernie Sanders administration, we are gonna change that formula. And subsidies, federal aid will go to the farmers, who need it the most, the farmers who are doing the most important work, and that is not factory farms. So we're gonna change that formula. And, you know, above and beyond organic farming, uh, our administration will do something that has not been done uh, in a very long time under either Republican or Democratic administrations. And that is, we will uh, appoint an attorney general of the United States who understands antitrust law. Uh, we, just in, in terms of agriculture, but by the way, as I think all of you know, this phenomenon of concentration of ownership is true in industry after industry from Wall Street on. But right now, in terms of agribusiness, we cannot continue to allow just four large companies to control 82% of the beef packing industry, 85% of soybean processing, 63% of pork packing, and 53% of chicken processing. Um, So we need, and I will appoint uh, an attorney general who will not only impose a moratorium on new agribusiness mergers, uh, but will break up uh, agribusiness monopolies that are devastating family-based agriculture all across this country. That will be true for agriculture. That will be true in other sectors of our economy. All over America now, we have too few large corporations who are controlling our economy, and that has got to change. The last point that I want to just touch on is an issue that I am happy to say the media is now beginning to pay attention to. And that was not always the case. And that is the existential threat uh, to our planet of climate change. And I think many of you have followed some of the recent reports coming from the United Nations and other studies that are out there. And essentially now what the scientific community is telling us is that they underestimated the severity and the speed in which climate change is wreaking havoc on our country, and in fact, the entire world. This is an issue, the more I read about it, the more I study it, the more frightened I become. And we need to take on the fossil fuel industry. We need to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. And we need to tell the fossil fuel industry that their short-term profits are not more important than the future of this planet. So we are in an existential moment here. And and I don't mean to frighten people, and I'm not an expert. The scientists know a lot more than I do. But you can read it. There's a piece in the New York Times today. I mean, whether you're talking about rising sea levels, whether you are talking about a projected significant decline in corn production, in potato production, whether you're talking about fishing, where so many people around the world and in our own country are dependent upon fish for their protein. And you're seeing species after species of fish being wiped out, fish moving north into colder waters because the ocean is warming. This is a huge, huge crisis. And it pains me very much. I think all of you know uh, that I disagree with Donald Trump on everything. All right? <laughs> but on, and that's saying it mildly. But on this issue of climate change, he is literally threatening the lives and well-being of our kids, our grandchildren and future generations. And we're gonna have to stand up and agriculture has a very important role to play in that. But just not only as a nation, but as a world, because we could do all the right things tomorrow, but of China and Russia and India and Pakistan and all the countries around the world are not involved in it, let me tell you, this planet will be increasingly unhealthy and uninhabitable for future generations. And we cannot allow that to happen. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, and all that I can tell you is that if elected uh, to uh, the presidency, a uh, family-based agriculture and organic agriculture will have a friend in the White House. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Sanders, for your opening remarks. We will now transition to questions from Iowa Certified Organic Farmers. The Organic Farmers Association was created to elevate the voice of certified organic farmers in this nation, bringing their policy concerns and priorities to the national stage. We appreciate you sharing your questions with us tonight. We have selected six questions, and each question is allotted no more than five minutes of response from Senator Sanders. If we have time, we will take additional questions from the audience. Please
2: proceed with the first question.
4: Good evening, my name is Kim Anderson and I run Blueberry Bottom, which is a certified organic blueberry farm in rural Brighton, Iowa. Organic regenerative farming practices are essential for fighting climate change, and they provide environmental services that support clean air, water, and healthy food for our communities. We need more organic farmers. How will your agricultural policies incentivize more family farms to adopt and continue organic and regenerative farming practices?
3: Well, thank you very much for that important question. Uh, Let me begin by saying Uh, We will demand uh, that factory farming uh, be held to a standard in which we understand the incredible environmental impact they are having on communities all over this country. It is not acceptable to me, nor I think to you, uh, that you have factory farms whose waste is not only polluting our air, but polluting our water, costing communities huge amounts of money to deal with that. Factory farming must be held accountable and we're gonna put a moratorium on factory farming. Uh, Second of all, uh, I believe in family-based agriculture for a variety of reasons. We are looking right now in Vermont and I know in Iowa uh, in significant declines in population in counties uh, all over your state and all over my state and that's true all over America. Rural America is in trouble. And implicit in that is the fact that family-based agriculture is in serious, serious decline. So if we believe in organic agriculture, then what we have got to do is provide resources for farmers to make that transition away from conventional agriculture into organic agriculture. And that is not easy. That is not easy, depending on the product that you're producing. And we are gonna provide, because we believe in that, not 77%, as I said before, of federal subsidies to the 10% of largest farms, but to those farmers, among other things, who wanna make that transition. We understand, and I, can, I speak most definitively about dairy, but I suspect it's true in a number of other uh, agricultural areas, that our farmers are getting older. We want young people to understand that agriculture can be a really meaningful and important way of life. And that means they need a decent price for their product, and that's why we're gonna make sure that there is parity, that farmers will be guaranteed, family-based agriculture will be guaranteed a fair price for their product. And we're not gonna continue to see the decline in rural American family-based agriculture. Bottom line here is if we want to grow The number of organic farmers that we're going to have to help those currently doing conventional farming, make the transition and entice younger people to get into the business. And that's an expensive business. And for the sake of our country, I think it's important that we do that. Since there's another minute yet in this question, would you support um, transitioning more of the $3 billion USDA research budget to research in organic farming, since we Look, need it? We are talking, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how many of you are familiar with all aspects of our campaign, but we're talking about a political revolution. We're talking about transforming uh, this country. So the answer to your question is obviously yes. Um, we will do that, no question.
5: Thanks for being here, Vernie. Thank you. My name is Billy Salmons. As Salmons Custom Farming, I co own and operate the Hunter Multi Generational Farm in Sheridan, Iowa, where we grow diverse organic crops on 120 acres. As Dr. Tickey mentioned earlier this evening, healthy organic soil can sequester large amounts of carbon, more than we even realize. It seems fitting that today, on World Soils Day, I have a question for you. If See, elected I president, I gotta
3: confess, I did not know that today was World <laughs> Soils Day. You caught me unaware here. <laughs>
5: <clears throat> if elected president, how would you assure that the USDA makes healthy soil a high priority, not only for all farmers, but in particular that it's a requirement for certified organic crops? Well, I
3: think the last part of your question deals with very strong standards in terms of organic agriculture. And what you're saying is that part of that standard, part of that criteria has got to be that the soil used by farmers uh, is healthy soil um, and is rich soil. And God knows we are seeing some bad things in that respect all over this country. Um, the other point that you made, and and as I said, I was on a TV program 10 minutes ago, and you know, a guy asked me about, you know, climate change is my major problem. I don't know how anybody in this world, not just in this country, cannot understand that climate change is an extraordinary priority for our country and the world if we love our kids and our grandchildren. So I think agriculture can play a major role. And what we will do is we transform the Department of Agriculture away from supporting agribusiness and factory farming to supporting family-based agriculture and moving aggressively on climate change. What we will do is pay farmers to capture carbon. Pay farmers to capture carbon. Right now, that is not the case. But I think if the agricultural community can be aggressive in maintaining good soil, uh, and which will absorb carbon, that will be an enormous contribution to fighting climate change. And we should be prepared to provide financial assistance for that. And happy World Soils Day.
5: Good evening, Senator. Uh, My name is Andy Dunham and I'm a fifth generation farmer here in Iowa. My daughter Emma is here with me. She's a sixth generation Iowa farmer. Uh, And my wife and I own and operate Grinnell Heritage Farm in Grinnell, Iowa, where we grow a wide array of vegetables and fruits and nuts and have um, pasture and a grass-fed beef herd. Um, We're one of the oldest uh, farms in Central Iowa. And I kind of feel like you've answered my question a little bit. Uh, But I
3: can always repeat, that's what politicians do, you know.
5: In in appointing an an attorney general, uh, who maybe will look on this more favorably, but for years, farmers have been squeezed by low prices, vertical integration of agribusiness, and monopolies of markets. And while much of this has been happening in the the conventional sector, it is also now affecting the growing organic market. So in addition to appointing appointing an attorney general who will use antitrust legislation, um, how else would you curb this vertical integration and the monopolies and ensure fair pricing to family farmers? Okay. Um, I
3: indicated to you that I am deeply concerned about concentration of ownership in the agribusiness industry. We will put a moratorium on mergers, and we will have an attorney general who is prepared to break up. Uh, industries, corporations who are dominating and monopolizing a given uh, industry. Uh, I think what we will also do, as I mentioned, uh, is for the sake of rural America, for the sake of the production of good food, we will do everything possible uh, to bring more young people into agriculture so that we can have more family-based agriculture. Now I think that the American people, um, and I'll never forget this, I was mayor of the largest city in the state, in Vermont, it's it's Burlington, Vermont. And I remember distinctly when I was mayor, how much, we had no farms in the city, but how strongly people in Burlington supported family-based agriculture throughout the state. People support (laughs) family-based agriculture in America, whether you're in a city or in a rural area. So for the sake of strengthening rural America, for the sake of bringing more people into family-based agriculture, our policy will be to support uh, those people who are going into family-based agriculture and especially going into organic agriculture in a number of ways. And by the way, one of the things you learn when you run for president is how one issue impacts another issue. You know, nothing is separate from anything else. So when we talk about making public colleges and universities tuition free, and when we talk about canceling all student debt, that will give a whole lot of young people say, you know what, I'd love to go into agriculture. I just can't afford it right now. It'll give them the opportunity to do that.
4: Thank you, Senator Sanders. For uh, joining us today I'm Margaret Smith my husband and I run a 600 acre organic grain and livestock farm about 50 miles north of here near Hampton um, we raise our crops for human food for seed crops and then for some animal feed as well I appreciate that the National Organic Program allows us to do that to certify our crops and sell them and identity into the market that's been great for us otherwise we probably wouldn't be farming um, and of course then we hire uh, Certifiers to come and check what we do. We operate on the honor system, right? And so the NOP is also mandated with um, in uh, Ensuring that honor system as organics has become more profitable um, there's fraud that's entered the organic system and um, both domestic and international and um, what I'd like to know what your administration would do to help prevent fraud. That's undercutting our prices and undercutting our ability to make living.
3: So people who are not really organic are posing as organic, or they're okay, both domestically and internationally.
0: So you've been listening to um, uh, Bernie Sanders speaking at the Organic Farmers Association and the Iowa Organic Association's uh, 2019 Presidential Forum. He was the only candidate to show up, um, but that was held on Thursday, December 5th. And um, this whole idea, I mean, I really want us to be unified. Um, so I'm not saying this is an endorsement of Bernie, but he had awesome things to say about the power of regenerative agriculture to create the world we all want. You've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 9. 50 All the me